You are listening to EN4 News, Edinburgh's leading student radio station. For news, travel, weather, culture and sport, from Edinburgh to you. I'm Gregor McRae. And I'm Jessica Mathieson. This is Radio Energy News. It's 3.30. Here are today's headlines. Health Secretary Hamza Youssef is facing more calls to quit following the release of new NHS waiting figures. Kind of head of the snake, as it were, in NHS, and that's if you want to get rid of the snake, they cut off the head. Today marks International World AIDS Day, and campaigners are calling on the Scottish Government to work on a strategy to eliminate HIV transmission to Scotland by 2030. A few things that we'd really like to see, and one of which is a public awareness campaign that's anti-HIV stigma. Tomorrow marks the end of the campaign to raise £2 million in two weeks in order to save the film house in Edinburgh, a landmark in Scottish cinema. It's a public space that people felt very safe and comfortable to go to at different hours of the day. All of this and more coming up on Ian for News. Today is World AIDS Day and to commemorate this, the Scottish Government are set to debate new legislation to eradicate HIV transmission by 2030, a target that they set two years ago. Aaron Proctor tells us more. Today, 105,000 people are living with HIV in the UK, but the virus is no longer the death sentence it once was. The 30th of November marks World AIDS Day, an opportunity for people worldwide to unite in the fight against HIV, to show support for people living with HIV and to commemorate those who have lost their lives from an age-related illness. Helping this fight in Scotland is Waverley Care, a Scottish HIV, hepatitis C and sexual health charity. They have been working with the Scottish Government on legislation recommendations to end the transmission of HIV. There's a few things that we'd really like to see and one of which is a public awareness campaign that's anti-HIV stigma. So, you know, a lot of people still have really outdated beliefs and knowledge of HIV. You know, it's still so rooted in the past. And so we'd really like to see a kind of Scotland-wide campaign that shows the reality of living with HIV today, which is that, you know, if you're on the right medication, you can't pass the virus on, uh, you can live totally normal, healthy life. 41 years since the first HIV diagnosis in the UK Scotland is set to be one of the first countries in the world to achieve zero HIV transmissions. From the introduction of free pre-exposure prophylactic, or PrEP, a medication which reduces the likelihood of transmitting HIV, to providing wider availability for free condoms and measures to prevent the sharing of needles. But Stuart Smith, a campaigner with the Terence Higgins Trust, thinks the Scottish Government could be doing more. They should seek to pilot opt-out HIV testing in emergency departments where HIV is most prevalent in order to reach those who are not getting tested and those who are lost to care, as is the case in England and Wales. As we don our red ribbons and remember those we lost in the HIV AIDS epidemic, we should make sure to end the stigma and get regular sexual health checkups. Edinburgh's iconic Filmhouse Cinema looks set to close indefinitely. A campaign to raise £2 million to save the venue ends tomorrow, and the target looks unlikely to be met. Sofia Viegas has been watching the narrative unfold. What did you dream of growing up to be? An astronaut? It's one small step for man. Maybe a famous singer. 
What about a movie star? You're tearing me apart! That last dream seems further from reality than ever before for the people of Edinburgh, following the closure of the much-beloved film house. Normally sporting colorful murals of the stars of the movies on show, the outside of the building now features boarded-up windows and a quickly decaying facade. Cinema lovers in Edinburgh have expressed their devastation at the potential loss. I'm heartbroken. The loss of the film house uh, was devastating news for me. I'm very upset at this. Despite being over 80% of the mark, campaigners are still hoping to contribute a significant figure to the wider offer pot by tomorrow, a key date to gauge their chances at keeping the camera rolling at the site. Amanda Rogers organized the campaign because she believes the film house offers something invaluable to the people of Edinburgh, and that is far too early to call scene on the historic cinema. Public space that people felt very safe and comfortable to go to at different hours of the day had really strong values in terms of accessibility, um, such as closed captions and audio descriptions, educational par parent and carer screenings, senior selections. Much of the work to save the film house has been taking place on Facebook, and Laura Maza, who runs the Facebook page for the fundraiser, worries that if the campaign is unsuccessful, our nation's capital will be left behind culturally by the rest of Europe. It's probably the only capital city without an art house cinema. Um, if you go around Europe, every single capital city has their own. Edinburgh um, has lost something really, really important for culture. Time is ticking and it isn't clear if the film house will again see lights, camera, action. Scotland's NHS is at the centre of another controversy following the release of new waiting list figures. It's led to further pressure on Hamza Youssef's position as Health Secretary. Here with more is Neve McCabe. Scottish Health Secretary Hamza Youssef has been called to quit as new figures have revealed one in seven people are on a waiting list for NHS treatment. For A&E times are also at a record low, with only 63.1% of patients admitted, transferred or discharged within the target four hours. Jamie Pearson had to wait five hours with a friend in A&E. There was a queue. It was really busy when we first went in. So about two hours in, his name got called. So I went with her for the first time. We went in with the nurse. Basically pointless that first time. I think at the time when you're sitting there, you're just thinking like, in my instance, like it was just a few bits of glass and the foot, like this could be done in five minutes. The health secretary sent Ian for news a comment about the issue at hand. We recognise the impact long waiting times have on a patient from both a clinical and mental health perspective, which is why we announced ambitious waiting time targets to address the backlog of planned care. We have already seen a huge effort to clear the backlog caused by the pandemic and we have seen two-year outpatient waits in most specialties cleared. This is real progress on our recovery journey, but we must stay focused on these efforts. Senior charge nurse at Royal Cornhill Hospital, Thomas McEwen, believes that the coronavirus pandemic has been a real issue for the wait times. Uh, probably a lot of these issues about waiting lists and waiting times to do back to COVID because a lot of elective type stuff was discarded and we're only really looking at emergency stuff. It's taken us with two years of COVID, more or less, so two years of elective stuff. So waiting lists have just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's going to take a, a while to get that back under control. Scottish Conservative Shadow Cabinet Secretary for Health, Dr Sandesh Gohani, spoke to Ian Four News and hailed these figures as a ticking time bomb. Calling for him to resign because he's he's the kind of head of the snake, as it were, NHS, and that's if you want to get rid of the snake, they cut off the head. So it wouldn't matter who was in charge, 
With 750,000 hospital patients on waiting lists in Scotland currently, we can only hope the government are doing everything they possibly can to solve this problem. Earlier breaking news, Boris Johnson has announced that he will be standing as a candidate in the next general election. Polls suggest this may be a tight run with his Labour opponent. Across the floor, Ian Blackford MP released a statement that he will be standing down as the SNP's Westminster Group Leader. Up north, however, Nicola Sturgeon faced tough questions today about the state of the NHS in Scotland in this week's FMQs. Our, for- our political correspondent, Thomas McCabe, gives his analysis. Today at First Minister's Questions, Nicola Sturgeon was questioned by Labour leader Anna Sarwar on the state of breast cancer chemotherapy in Teesside after a documentary was released by The Courier yesterday. Breast cancer chemotherapy in NHS Teesside has collapsed, leaving vulnerable women travelling across the country to receive life-saving treatment. Yesterday, The Courier released a documentary where the women affected and grieving families demanded answers. Can I say, first of all, that Anna Sarwar is wrong to describe the Tayside service as having collapsed. That neither comes close to accurately describing the current service, nor does it do anything to help any current patients or the dedicated doctors that are working within that centre. The Labour leader then revealed. A recent Freedom of Information request showed there are nine vacancies in the oncology department with the lead breast cancer consultant post now vacant for 839 days. In February, the First Minister said this was unacceptable. But since then, things are getting worse. The Health Secretary hasn't just watched the documentary, he took part in the documentary. And let me take the opportunity to assure patients in Tayside that they have a very committed and compassionate team of doctors that deliver excellent care. Women in Tayside don't want to see the Health Secretary in a documentary. They want to see a breast cancer oncologist in Tayside. And that problem has still not been fixed. But the First Minister has said little today that will reassure women in Tayside and their families. And as per usual, Nicola Sturgeon keeps telling us that it is unacceptable but expects patients to accept it anyway. With many concerns over the state of Scotland's NHS going into winter, from ambulances to chemotherapy, there are many issues to keep the government busy. Now, our international editor, Andrew Chung, has the main stories from around the world. Protest escalated in Iran after a man was reportedly shot and killed by Iranian police. As anti-government protesters cheered and danced as a result of Iran's elimination from the World Cup, 27-year-old Moran Samik was shot in the head after honking his car's horn in celebration. This was later reported on by Iran's human rights group on Twitter. The Iranian security forces have denied killing any peaceful protesters. China's former leader Jiang Zemin has died aged 96. In a Chinese Communist Party statement, they said he was recognised as an outstanding leader with high prestige and a long-tested communist fighter. He died of leukaemia and multiple organ failure at 12 local time in Shanghai on Wednesday. After a nearly two-month trial, two members of far-right militia group Oath Keepers were found guilty of sedition by the federal court in Washington, D.C. due to their connection to the Capitol riots on January 6, 2021. Rhodes and Meg, however, were the only ones to be convicted of criminal treason, the first in decades. Edward Tarpley, Oathkeeper's attorney, comments. We feel like we presented a case which uh, showed through evidence and testimony that uh, Mr. Rhodes did not commit the crime of seditious conspiracy. And finally, Fleetwood Mac's Christine McVie has died aged 79. 
According to a family member's post on Facebook, she passed away peacefully in a hospital bed on Wednesday night following a short illness. The band also sent out a message following her death saying, There are no words to describe our sadness at the passing. She was truly one of a kind, special and talented beyond measure. Thank you, Andy. Now, following on from the latest international breaking news, our reporter Robin Bell went to a local rally in Edinburgh about the current state in Iran. Justice, justice for Iran! Two hundred universities worldwide held protests against the violence in Iran. Women Life Freedom held a rally last night where brave activists spoke of their own and others' experiences. These people are brave as hell. They know that with every smile signed of protest, there comes a lot of consequences. A lot of students got banned from entering campuses, got banned from studying for two or three semesters. Academics from Edinburgh University tell us why they attended the rally. They was specifically targeting academics. Uh, so uh, raising the voice of Iranian among students and academics outside of Iran. There are more than 400,000 Iranians here in the UK and I thought it would be important to uh, show solidarity with the Iranians, uh, most of them uh, risking their lives. Organiser Nassim tells us why it is important for men to also speak out against the Irani regime. We're very inspired by what's happening in Iran and what, what women are doing in Iran. And also men. I think it's such an important moment, not just in Iranian history, not just in the history of the Middle East, but of humanity. Because if you think about it, it's the first time that men have stood by women for their rights. Not only have they stood by them, they're taking the bullet for it. Freedom, freedom for Iran! This is Radio Energy. Travel. The latest on Edinburgh's roads. Be aware that there have been long delays all day into Edinburgh on the bypass from the west due to a road traffic accident. There is heavy congestion in many areas, including Calder Road, Longstone and in Craig Walker. Elsewhere, traffic is slow on the A90 Queensferry Road from the Dalmeny Junction, city-bound because of gully repairs opposite Park Grove Shops. With last week's teaching strikes failing to produce a new pay offer from Holyrood, Scotland's public sector services look heavily compromised as we head into Christmas period. Our political editor, Niall Fancy, joins us in the studio. Niall, it seems like everyone is striking right now. What's going on? Well, Jessica, it certainly seems that way. It is true that we currently have five major industries threatening to make Christmas a little more difficult this year. The Royal Mail, rail staff, teachers and nurses are all taking industrial action over the coming weeks. But there is some confusion between strikes in England and in Scotland. Things are looking a little better north of the border. So what exactly is the situation here? So, the Royal Mail strikes are unfortunately UK-wide. This means that between today and Christmas Eve, the Communication Workers Union will be walking out on seven days after the members were offered a 9% pay rise over 18 months. We have been advised that although we can still bring our packages to the post office, they could take considerably longer to arrive under the Christmas tree this year. As for schools, well, as I found out last week, tensions are extremely high between teachers and the Scottish Government right now after another pay deal was rejected. Teachers have been campaigning for a raise of at least 10% since the spring, but the First Minister says there's no more money left to offer. We can expect every school in Scotland to close at least twice in January and February. And what about the NHS? Will the army be driving our ambulances? 
No. Fortunately, NHS staff in Scotland have been recommended by their unions to accept a new offer of 11%, which they're voting on currently. Their colleagues in England, however, might not be so lucky, which is why we've been seeing headlines about soldiers stepping in for paramedics. And am I right in saying trains will be running after all this Christmas? Yes and no. Although Scotland has called off strikes after the RMT accepted a deal of 7.5% last week, network rail staff are still looking are still striking, with services in December being affected up to the 17th. So the potential chaos has been largely avoided, but please check who's operating your service as you make your way home for Christmas. Niall Fancy, political editor. Thank you very much. This is Ian for News. Here's what's still to come on today's programme. We look at how the cost of living crisis is creating added pressure on Scotland's care homes. In sport, we have a report on the rise and fall of Bonnie Rig Rose. And could Edinburgh really be about to have its first white Christmas in years? All of this and more on Ian for News. A winter chill is officially in the air and more than 200 warm banks have opened in Scotland amid the cost of living crisis. Sean McGill visited one community hub that's gone above and beyond to help people this festive period. Here in Pennycook, it's not just the winter cold that's starting to bite, but so is the cost of living crisis. But through the doors of one community hub, there's warmth in all senses of the word. Hi, what can I get for you? At Foods Facts Friends, people struggling with their finances can get access to meals, heating and a sense of togetherness, services that the area desperately needs, says hub founder Mark Wells. If we were here, I think a majority of the people in Pennycook would really, really struggle. They would be lost without the service. Yeah. And they they have said that to us as well. Um, if they said to me, oh, if you were to ever close the service down, we don't know what we would um, do as uh, their lifeline. During the pandemic, food bank usage increased exponentially. Now that a new crisis has taken hold, we've seen the introduction of warm banks. 67-year-old Ed visits the hub at least twice a week. Me and my, me and my partner's both benchers and we struggle to make ends meet, you know, usually. The times are so hard now for everybody, for, for a lot of folk, you know. It's, and places like this. I never thought in my lifetime I would see places like this. You know what I mean? Especially this day and age. The hub's building, an old bank that was latterly used as merely the village cash line, is now the village lifeline. This Christmas, more than any other, it will be the gift that keeps on giving. Scottish care homes are in danger of closing as they become yet another industry affected by the cost of living crisis and workplace staff shortages. Yeva Azola finds out more. An industry body has warned that more than 300 private care homes in Scotland are in danger of closing as they face rising energy bills and a staffing crisis. Chief Executive of Scottish Care Donald McCaskill warns unless the crisis was addressed by the Scottish Government, there may not be a social care sector worth its name by next spring. Sarah Burns recently quit her job at a care home for dementia patients in Edinburgh and believes it can be too stressful to balance with your personal life. Well, I really enjoyed working there. Obviously, it's really long days. And I think if you're to do that full term, four days a week or three days a week doing 13 hour shifts, it's like a lot. I can't see people doing that and being able to have like a life on their days off. Like how much stress is in the job and then how much stress you have in your own personal life trying to like manage that. Just quality of life, I guess. 
Many care homes are experiencing severe recruitment difficulties because of pay, work pressure and the fallout of the pandemic. Deputy SNP leader Keith Brown described the situation in Scotland as serious. A few care homes in Glasgow and Perthshire have already closed and a staffing problem does not help as many carers feel they are not being respected. Society looks down on carers and nurses because they'll help people go to the toilet. And then if you say that, they're like, oh, it's like an underscaled job. I think people don't think that carers have to have training or, ha or be very skilled to do it. They think, oh, you can just help someone go to the toilet, but you need a lot of training. As yet another consequence of the cost of living crisis arises, will the Scottish Government be able to save the care homes or will the elderly have to look for another way to spend their last years in peace? Now with all the latest sports news is Graeme Sinclair. Scotland goalkeeper Craig Gordon has admitted it's been hard to watch the 2022 World Cup. Steve Clark's side missed it in qualification following defeat to Ukraine in June. It would have been a great occasion, but you know it, it makes it all the more sweeter when we, we do qualify. We qualified for the, the last Euros, we, we need to try and do that again. Desperate to get to a, a Euros or a World Cup, preferably both, but we, we feel as if we've got a good team that's capable of doing that now. Irish-born scrum half John Cooney could be about to change allegiance to Scotland thanks to new eligibility rules in international rugby. Daily Mail rugby reporter Rob Robertson thinks Cooney would be a welcome addition. Now the question you have to ask yourself is, will Cooney help Scotland? I would argue yes he will from the point of view we need more nines and more options at nine. And in shinty news, the age for compulsory wearing of helmets in the sport has been raised to include all players 21 and under. Newton Moore's Duncan Gorman believes this is the effort of the governing body to give Shinty a better image. Um, I think the Cameron Association have been making a good effort to try and um, disassociate themselves from the impression that Shinty is, you know, a really brutal and dangerous sport. And that's all for today's Sports Roundup. Thanks, Graham. Sticking with sport, and a football team from the outskirts of Edinburgh have recently risen in the ranks, and they are doing everything they can to stay there. Sports correspondent Cameron Wonstall visited Bonnie Rig Rose to find out their goal for next season. Six months on from celebrating promotion to the SPFL, Bonnie Rig Rose find themselves in a precarious position. The Rose have struggled to adapt to life in the professional leagues and it's now a choice between adaptation or relegation. With the club sitting just one spot above bottom place four for Athletic, manager Robbie Horn has acted quickly to make a variety of changes behind the scenes, starting with a series of upgrades in the club's fitness department. Boys that are fit have certainly bought into it, and obviously, you know, Matty coming in has been massive. Um, also, the help from the community club as well regarding obviously getting a gym put in, which is superb. And the guys that are you not know, injured have got stuff to do, they're getting programmes to do, um, and they're not just coming to training and getting their training and then going home. So it's all moving in the right direction, hopefully. And, you know, as I say, we're trying to make it as professional as we possibly can. Club captain Johnny Stewart has overseen the club's rapid ascent to the SPFL since joining in 2014 and is delighted to see the club become more professional. Training's been excellent. Obviously, we've introduced Matty now as well, which can only be a good thing for the club, eh, along with the, the player data, GPS, tracking vest that we wear now as well. So, yeah, it's definitely going in the right direction, and, and I think we're all feeling the benefits as players. The Matty that both Horn and Stewart have referred to is Matthew Brown, the club's new strength and conditioning coach. As he looks to revolutionise the club's approach to fitness, Brown has brought with him an array of state-of-the-art technology as well as planners for the players that need to visit a new club gym. My role just now is really focusing on kind of on-pitch um, conditioning, you know, additional drills after training and before training. And then obviously I've been lucky enough to work with the, uh, the injured players as well, so providing kind of rehabilitation programmes and stuff for them. By the looks of it, the players have bought into it and the staff have always been encouraging as well. And, you know, the committee have had great comments so far. So, yeah, must be doing something right. 
Victories in the short term is certainly the aim for the Lowland League champions, but the decisions being made off the park are sure to help Bonnyrigg Rose in the long term also. This is a club that has chosen evolution and survival over extinction. Now, the weather on Radio Energy. It's a wet day in Edinburgh today with patchy drizzles continuing all afternoon and heavier rain clouds forming in the evening. Wrap up warm as there will be a chance of mist and fog in the south. And finally, could this be the year we see a white Christmas? Meteorologists are predicting that Edinburgh is one of the top locations to have one this year. Sophie Smith has been finding out more. It's not the top of your Christmas list this year because you're in luck. The beast from the east is finally waking up again, according to experts. This means that Edinburgh could be covered in heavy snow just in time for Christmas. If the predictions are correct, Edinburgh could see its first white Christmas since 2010's snowfall, which the Met Office dubbed as extremely unusual. Despite this, the Met Office assures that the snowfall is unlikely to cause disruptions. But are the people of Edinburgh dreaming of a white Christmas? I think it would be nice to see a white Christmas in Edinburgh, but it'd definitely make it a bit more difficult to get around the city, especially since there's already a lot of tourists because of the Christmas market, so navigating that well, it would be nice, but I've not seen many white Christmases in all my lifetime, so I'd be very surprised if it was. But it would be nice if it did. I am so excited at the thought of a white Christmas in Edinburgh this year. Whether you're out building a snowman or relaxing at home, remember to bundle up, stay warm and keep safe this Christmas. And now, a recap of today's main stories. Health Secretary Hamza Youssef is under further pressure in his job after the release of new NHS statistics. Campaigners call for stronger action from the Scottish Government on HIV and AIDS. And the fundraising campaign to save Edinburgh's film house ends tomorrow, but the £2 million target looks unlikely to be met. That's all for now. You can keep up to date with all the latest on the EN4 News website. Have a good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Radio Energy News.